It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hey, how's it going? Welcome to episode number 218 of Locked On Raptors for Tuesday, October 31st. I am your host, Sean Woodley of RaptorsHQ.com and LockedOnRaptors.com. You can find me on Twitter at WoodleySean, and the show is on Twitter as well at Locked On Raptors. You can find links to every single episode. Uh, make sure you're checking out the Locked On NBA podcast network. You can find shows for all 30 teams. You can find Locked On Fantasy, Locked On NBA with David Locke. Uh, lots of great content for you to absorb and sort of catch up with all the goings on around the league because I know there's a lot to keep up with, man. It's a uh, it's a busy time of year and uh, all the lockdown hosts have a you know great handle on all their teams and they'll get you caught up on whatever teams you've missed. Um, you can also subscribe to our show, Lockdown Raptors, on iTunes. Please leave a rating or review on the iTunes page. It's the easiest way for you to help out the show, show that you support it and care. Uh, helps to move us up the rankings, helps to make us more visible. So please do that. It takes no time at all, and I'd be very appreciative if you do that. All right, on today's show, we are recapping the Raptors' win over the Portland Trailblazers on Monday night, and to do so with me, I am joined by Sahal Abdi, who we've missed for a week or so on the show. How are you doing, man? I'm good, man. It's good to be back. It's a busy week, so I'm happy to be back on. Yeah, absolutely. Happy to have you back. Um, let's dive into the Raptors' win last night. It was a, a really good, a really fun win, and like I was writing the recap for Raptors HQ last night, and like normally there's like something you can critique or sort of nitpick with and say hey like this didn't go so well hopefully they can work on it for the next game but like really there were like a couple of guys who maybe had subpar performances but overall it was kind of a pitch perfect game for the Raptors um did you have the same impression of 99-85 the defense was incredible um did you have anything like to nitpick from this game or was it just like a good performance overall I did um honestly I did think it was the best performance they've had to date this season, <clears throat> but um, I think just uh, Raptors kind of, I feel like there was certain times where they just got nonchalant and they just didn't, they, were, they had the lead and they just were kind of just I don't want to say I don't want to say too you know, I'm going to actually stay away from that, I'm just going to say they had a really <laughs> good overall performance Fair enough I mean, the fourth quarter got a little dicey there. The offense kind of got uh, a little sort of... I don't know if it was just because like OG was on the court and his offense just wasn't really clicking last night. He was doing a lot of other things, which we'll get to, but um, it was just kind of like a weird offensive unit they had out there. They seemed like they weren't really pressing to score, which like understandable. They were up at like 20 for most of the game. Um, but yeah, I think overall... That second quarter in particular, where they held the Blazers to one field goal, and that came with 5.4 seconds left on the clock, um, is that? Can you remember like a better individual quarter from the Raptors in the last couple of years? It was just incredible how it wasn't yeah, like the, the Blazers were just missing wide open shots; like they were very rarely getting good looks. Yeah, that was uh, in terms of defensive performance. Goodness, I honestly don't remember the last time the Raptors. It could have been a few years ago, a couple years ago, but nothing really comes to mind. Um, that was insane, and it was funny because the people who weren't watching the Raptors game, I guess you could just say that 
the NBA fans who were kind of just following their own teams or the beat writers who were following their own teams. I think they just, from face value, they just assumed that the Blazers were missing shots. Yeah. But it was really the Raptors that were causing, it was defensive chaos, to be honest. It was it was really good to watch as a Raptors fan. Yeah, it felt like Jakob who kind of lost some minutes to Bebe in this game, and we'll talk about Bebe because probably the best game of his career, I would say. Um, yeah, but like even Pirtle, like he came in with the second unit to start. Uh, Bebe got a second foul like six minutes in on a moving screen, and I was like, oh, we're in for another Bebe game. This is great. Um, but Pirtle came in. He really solidified the defense late in that first quarter after the Blazers had kind of hit everything to start. Uh, I think there were eight of their first 11 and three or three from deep in like four minutes. Um, and it kind of it just curbed off after that, and uh, Pirtle was incredible. He was challenging everything at the rim. He only finished with one block, and that's the thing with Pirtle is like it always feels like he has way more blocks than he ends up with because yeah. he just challenges everything, and he's just always he going really straight does. up. He's not picking up dumb fouls like he was last year uh, by sort of reaching into areas where he shouldn't be. He just looks so confident around the rim, and like his scampering ability to come out so high on pick and rolls. There were a couple sort of screenshots I grabbed last night where he was out, like, near half court and then scampering back on the pick and roll, uh, which is just a nice look for the Raptors, who just don't really have any other centers who can do that. Like, Bebe, he tries, but he can't really do that. He's more, I think, close to Jonas in terms of foot speed than he is uh, close to Pirtle, but... Uh, and that's not to denigrate Bebe's game, which, again, we'll talk about. But, uh, yeah, I, think, I thought Pirtle did a really good job of solidifying the defense. And then, yeah, it was just it was just waves of, like, arms and athleticism just coming at the Blazers. Lowry looked incredible defensively last night, too. Like, it was probably his best defensive performance I can remember. Um, maybe since, like, middle of last year. He just he was in Damian Lillard and C.J. McCollum the entire night uh, going over screens. Uh, and, and fighting fighting over them like perfectly, and yeah, it was I don't know, it was just a really fun. That second quarter was incredible, and like you said, like they weren't just missing shots. It was the Raptors forcing a lot of difficult and like weird and sort of just forcing the the Blazers out of their typical sort of sets, and it was uh it was really fun to watch. Yeah, Yako Pirtle, his foot speed, his defensive mobility is honestly so much fun to watch. Mm-hmm. Um. It's probably because we're so used to watching Jonas Valanciunas uh, <laughs> defensive pick and rolls for so long that um, it seems like the when he's backing up off of that pick and roll, he's going slow motion. But Jakob Pertl, it's it's so much fun. Like he can really stay with guard. Like when Jakob Pertl switches on a six seven swing man, I'm honestly I'm okay with it. Like yeah. it's not like JV where I'm where I'm holding my breath and I'm closing my eyes. Like Jakob Pertl's defensive mobility is honestly like that of of a wing sometimes um and in terms of kyle lowry i don't know how he didn't finish the game with a steal he was so disruptive defensively um i i really it's it it kind of bothers me that he didn't finish the game with a steal i feel like he put in so much work on the defensive end today and he knew it coming in when you go against one of the best backcourts in the league um in mccollum and lillard you know you're gonna have a, a tough night unless you put in the work and kyle lowry put in the work The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late-season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up-to-date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yeah, um, it was 
Man, you mentioned Pirtle's defense. That was awesome, as you said. And yeah, Lowry. Another guy, too, who I thought played a really good defensive game, even though his offense was still kind of searching, although he hit a couple threes late, was Norm Powell. Like, he kind of did a good job of kind of compartmentalizing his offensive issues and, like, not letting that bleed into his defense because he was, like, one of the catalysts of that second quarter as well, poking balls free. Like, he seemed to have, like, a million deflections and, and pokes. He only had one steal, but it seemed like he led to, you know, a whole bunch more. Um, were you at least heartened by Powell's defensive performance? Because his offense, again, was uh, kind of icky. It was, yeah, it was eh. He was 3 for 9 on offense. The first, um, the first half was insane with him. Like He had four drives where he just got to the rim and just forgot how to play basketball. He just, like, there was one where he, I think he just traveled. Like, he just jumped and had no plan and just picked up a travel. Another one where he, like, threw it out of bounds. It was it was really bizarre watching him try to drive after, like, he's just been so confident doing that for years. But sorry to step on your point. Yeah, I just feel like his confidence is shot right now. I think he, he just needs to be playing really good defense for the next few games until he gets his rhythm back. I still think his breakout game is going to come really soon. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm really happy for the against the Portland Trailblazers where he didn't really force the issue. It wasn't like a 3-for-15 night. He just went 3-for-9, played really good defense, stealing a couple blocks. He was active defensively. And I think if you're doing Casey, you're proud of that performance. Yeah, I think so too. Um, he Also, like the catch-and-shoot threes that he put up, I haven't really seen him just put up a catch-and-shoot three the last little while. It seems every time the ball swings to him, he's trying to make a play off of that instead yeah. of just taking the, the shot that's usually there for him. So that was encouraging to see because um, that's where I think he's at his best when he's just you know taking spot-up looks and hitting them. Um, let's get to OG before we get to Bebe because uh, Bebe Ooh. kind of... Bebe kind of gets to questions that are, are kind of bigger in terms of what's coming up in the next few games for the Raptors. But OG, I mean, he, he was 2 of 8. He was 0 of 5 from deep. His shot looked, like, particularly off last night. But he, I kept track of a, of a sequence of plays uh, in the fourth quarter when the Raptors were still, it was, like, sort of contentious. It wasn't really crunch time, per se, but uh, Damian Lillard was hot, and, and they were trying to catch up, and it, it felt a little sort of teetering on the edge. And OG and Bebe were out there. OG had like five straight possessions where he made a defensive play. Like he picked up a steal, he digged in and sort of uh, he switched on to Damian Lillard and, and shut him down and and, and sort of that was, that just was smothered him. It was fashion. yeah, it was incredible. Uh, he picked up another steal later on. He forced a, a jump ball from Evan Turner. Um, he just kind of ripped it out of his hands, and then he got an offensive board and a putback as well. And that was over the course of like four minutes. It was. Uh, it was a really impressive performance. Like, were you even like worried about his offense last night? Did you think his defense more than made up for the fact that he couldn't hit a shot to save his life? Honestly, the first few quarters, I was like, okay, okay, OG, all right, <laughs> okay, all right, you can make a shot now. But once that fourth, once I saw that fourth quarter stretch, oh my god! Like, I think OG, his ceiling is. I think. <sighs> I saw Kawhi Leonard flashes, man. Like, yeah. I, I don't want to go there too soon, but this guy, I think if he rounds out his offensive game in the next few years and he can turn into somewhat of an offensive player, because he's already there defensively. I've never, I, rarely do you see rookies on the offense or the defensive end, unless they're really like a top three, four pick, um, just come in and, and adjust to the pace of the NBA so well. And OG's done that from the beginning. And it's, it's honestly awesome to see. I, I was watching that I, that stretch of plays in the fourth quarter, and I was when he switched on to Lillard, I literally stood up from my couch. And I, was <laughs> I was clapping. I was like, wow, this is, this is special. 
Yeah, I almost wonder if the Raptors have some sort of internal metric that will sort of predict whether or not a guy is going to pick up defense early because it's two straight years now with with Jakaperto last season and OG this season where the guys just seem way ahead of their age uh, and their sort of experience in terms of their ability on defense. And like this is a small sample for OG, so maybe I'm getting a little ahead of myself, but I'd be interested to like sort of talk and pick the brains of the the scouting staff to see if they see anything in particular in those guys that sort of you know led them to think they would be good defensive players right away because man they both fit in better I think than most rookies the last couple seasons um, like I'd say they're probably both in like the top five or six of all the rookies that have come in the last couple of years in terms of yeah. just instant ability to fit in on defense and know where to be and the intuition and the intelligence just to you know just fit into an off- a defensive scheme that. You know, it takes a long time to learn NBA defense. It's nuanced. It's complex. And the fact that they seem so comfortable with it in such a short amount of time is really impressive. And I don't really know how they find these guys or if there's something in particular that, that they've noticed. But it's uh, I think it's worth further exploration for sure. Yeah, it's the nonstop activity too. Like you yeah. sub OG in and he's just going... 120% until he gets subbed out. And the same thing with Pirtle, like, And also Siakam. I don't want to forget him as well. Um, all three of these guys have just been crazy energetic when they're on the court. And it's, it's really nice to see, especially early in the season. All three of these guys are trying to carve out their own roles for the rotation. Um, DeLon as well has been pretty good defensively. Everyone expected that. Um, but these three guys are just really, you could see that they're trying to carve out the roles. And uh, everyone knows the Raptors are going to be a playoff team this season. It just depends, I guess, where in terms of seating. But um, all three of these guys, I don't want to get too ahead of myself, but all three of these guys look ready in terms of um, just throwing them out there for a playoff yeah. rotation. All three of them, like I wouldn't, I really wouldn't mind. Maybe see come a little less, but Pirtle and OG have showed signs way further than what I would have thought. Yeah, um, yeah. The Raptors have a lot of good players, <laughs> as it turns out. And, like, they missed Serge Ibaka last night, and I think that's even more impressive that they were able to put together such a good defensive performance without their best rim protector and their sort of yeah. best traditionally de- defensive player. Um, it was, uh, I don't know, now I'm kind of curious as to what the front court rotation is going to be going forward because Jonas is not going to be out forever. I'm not sure exactly what the deal with his ankle is, but he's still on the trip. Um, it feels like he'll be back sooner than later. Uh, no idea what's up with Serge. And that, you know, he had swelling in his knee, and that's concerning, I, I think. I'm, I mean, I'm not a doctor. I have no idea, but it doesn't sound great. Um, so hopefully he can get back to health quickly. But if not, or if say he is back quickly, like how do you think the front court rotation shakes out? Because Bebe, we haven't talked about him quite just yet because I wanted to save him for last because, my God, yeah. he was incredible. 17 points, 9 boards, 2 assists, 2 steals, 5 blocks, um, 7 of 8 from the field, hit, hit a 3, uh, was just everywhere. He was... Like he was a plus thirteen, I think best on the team. It was uh, it's just a wonderful performance from Bebe. After I kind of expected that he was kind of gonna just sort of go away because Pirtle was just playing so much better than he was to start the season. Uh, obviously, getting more of the opportunity in doing Casey's rotation, but obviously the injury happens and then Bebe has to start. And like, I don't even know how to describe it. It was just awesome. And now the Raptors have all these guys who have this ceiling when they all play at their at their potential. It's it's really hard to figure out what the front court rotation is going to be. Um, what do you first what do you think of Bebe's game last night and then how do you think the front court's going to look going forward once Serge and Jonas are back? I think Bebe was the clear star of the game. Um, 
I was an advocate, honestly, for um, playing Powell. I mean, sorry, Pirtle a lot more. Uh, Jakob Pirtle in this game. Um, I just feel like his momentum has just been really, really good. Um, but Lucas Nagara came out um, and just lit the game on fire. Mm-hmm. Um, like you said, he had 17 points. He had five blocks. Honestly, I wouldn't be surprised that game if he had eight or nine. Because yeah. he was just like Pirtle. He was challenging everything at the rim. Um, rarely with big men do you see them get two, three steals. He had two. Um, he had a couple assists. He was passing the ball really, really well. Um, for a guy that doesn't rebound that well, he had nine rebounds. And then he had 17 points. He was setting terrific screens with Kyle Lowry, mm-hmm. um, catching lobs, doing everything he needed to do and more, to be honest, to be an impact in this game. Um, and he obviously shot very efficient, seven for eight. So Bebe is <laughs> looked at Jakob Pertl these last few games, and he was like, okay, okay, Jakob, I'm going to do you one better this game. <laughs> and he came out and just turned all the way up. So um, I think Jakob Pertl was, what, I think 17 minutes. I'm looking at the box score, six points, five rebounds. He was obviously a lot more, I guess, uh, impactful than that. But Bebe was the clear star of the game. Yeah. And I know DeRozan had 25, and he started off really well. Um, uh, Lowry had a really good game, 19, 10, and 6 as well. But Bebe just, he was out of this world. I was like, am I watching a different player? What is this right now? The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late-season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yeah, it was uh, it was kind of surreal. We've seen him have spurts before, and that's kind of always been the thing with Bebe is when he plays... He's usually pretty good, and he's always been sort of near the top of the team in terms of like per 36 blocks and steals, and in terms of uh, you know net rating when he's on the court and the defensive rating when he's on the court. It's just like the consistency thing with him, and like the odd game where he'll just kind of lose it completely. And I feel like the trust wanes pretty quickly with him uh, for whatever reason. Maybe it's stuff that we don't really see. Maybe it's behind closed doors stuff as to in terms of the relationship between Bebe and the coaching staff or whatever. But um, it doesn't feel like he quite has as long he doesn't, he doesn't quite have a, as long a leash as like Pirtle does for example um, and I'm not sure why that is because they're both really effective and Bebe might have a higher ceiling when he's playing at his peak at least in terms of where Pirtle is right now Pirtle might get you know to be a better player down the road but like when Bebe does stuff like he did last night Pirtle has a hard time matching that level of offensive impact as well as defense and yeah. I, I don't know the passing for Bebe last night too was incredible he had a couple awesome assists um, he's a really good passer for yeah, a big. Like, it's crazy. Of our big men, he's our best passer out of all of our big men. Oh yeah, um, I don't it's think not it's even close. close to be honest, no, it's not, um, not remotely close. Yeah, I think Pirtle's a willing passer. Siakam's also a willing passer, but Baby has a quality that these guys, these guys just don't have. JV doesn't have, um, and he can. It's it's crazy. You rarely see. Um, I think there was this one play where he was coming off a of screen and it was working so well the screen and roll. And he knew that himself. Mm-hmm. And he got the pass, and he just kicked it out to the corner. And we've been begging for Jonas Valanciunas to do that for years. And I think we saw it once in preseason or twice, and <laughs> we were losing our minds. So, um, Bebe, he's a damn good backup center, and, and so is Pirtle. So, 
I really, in terms of what Dwayne Casey's going to do this season, he might just go matchup base. Yeah. Uh, if there's a lot of length on the floor, he might start Bebe or as long as JV's out. But um, he's going to go matchup base, and then Siakam also deserves deserves uh, minutes as well. So uh, he he has a problem on his hands, but it's a really good problem to have. Yeah, and the fact that they can kind of weather injuries to two big men and have a game like last night is is a very encouraging sign. Um, yeah. So uh, this is going to be a kind of a fluid thing throughout the course of the season based on who's playing well and who's hurt and whatever. But right now, say Serge and Jonas are back for ga- the game against Denver on Wednesday, which, I mean, they probably won't be. But if they are, uh, who is the big that falls out of the rotation? Is it Bebe? Is it Pascal? Is it Pirtle? Like, it's really hard to decide, but someone is not going to play because it's just, yeah. just not enough minutes because if you're going to have OG play at the four in the bench unit as well, there's just not enough front court minutes to go around for those five guys. Oh man, it's so tough to be honest because I honestly have no clue because they're all playing so well, like we keep saying. Yeah. Um, I don't think Pirtle's minutes are going to fall, to be honest. Yeah, he feels very kind of entrenched in that backup second unit exactly. anchor kind yes. of role. And I, and I think it's really between Siakam and Nagara. And I think it might be one of those situations where they kind of switch in terms of uh, Siakam might be the guy who gets 18 minutes and then. Nagara right. gets a DNP, or he plays three or four minutes, I guess, just that spot duty or whatever. I think they're going to switch, to be honest. I don't think it's going to be a, a set-in-stone thing between Siakam and Nagara mm-hmm. in terms of who gets the minutes and who doesn't. Um, but it really sucks because they've all been playing so well. Yeah, I don't know if I would say it sucks. It's pretty awesome that there are this many guys in the roster who are... Uh, who no, it are, sucks who are, for the players. Or oh, yeah, it sucks. Yeah, that's for sure. It's for and the like, player who gets the last yeah. sit, right? Yeah, we're not gonna. I don't think we're gonna see either of those guys sent down to the D League either. Um, I guess Pascal's the only guy who technically can be without permission, but um, <laughs> I don't really see that happening. And yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, we're. I think we're far off from like discussing trade possibilities and whatnot. But it is nice to know that there's a surplus of these guys for the Raptors. If like you get to the trade deadline and look at the East and say, hey, maybe Cleveland's problems are more sort of endemic and and kind of hard for them to overcome. Maybe we maybe the Magic are our biggest competition atop the Eastern Conference, and we feel like we can take them. Uh, maybe and maybe they look like they they want to make a deal or something like that. It's nice to know that there's a surplus to trade from, like there was last year when they made the Ibaka deal. So, um, Masai, yeah. man, he's uh, this season I think is going to be a real sort of uh, I don't know illustrator of how incredible Masai has been at building this team from both ends, and uh, so far the early returns are really nice. Absolutely, yeah. And I just want to quickly talk about Lowry. He had 19 points yeah. uh, and rebounds, six assists. He's back. He had a good game as well. I think he only shot six for 14, it says. Um, but he had a really, really good game. Just like we said, he was impactful on the defensive end. And he just orchestrated offensively really, really well the game. DeMar DeRozan started off, I think, six for six. And he ended with 25 on 10 for 20 shooting. He had a really good game as well. Um, this is what you need. When you go into... Uh, a Western Conference playoff team's uh, city and you really have to come out with a win. Um, you need your stars to play well and then you need your role players to, to play really well as well. And that's and that's what the Raptors got. Yeah, Portland came into the game as the third best offensive team in the league. Um, part of that is boosted by that uh, blowout they had against the Suns in the first game of the year. But still, uh, you, you hold one of the best three-point shooting teams, one of the best offensive rebounding teams, and one of the best overall offensive teams to an 89.1 offensive rating. You're uh, you're doing all right. That was uh, that was a good time. Um, so, Hall, do you have any parting shots about this game that you'd like to share before we let you go? Um, 
I just want to shout out Baby one more time. And also, <laughs> I want to say one more thing in terms of Portland. Yeah. They're the best offensive rebounding team in the league. Um, and the Raptors out-rebounded them offensively 8-6. to six. So that's just... I just that just that just illustrates how far the Raptors went in terms of um, doing everything possible to win this game. Yeah, for sure. Uh, my parting shot is shout out to Ed Davis, who oh yeah, hundred uh, percent. As I, I said God. last night, he is like he's become like a non-terrible Reggie Evans uh, in that he grabs every rebound um, and seems just like a really fun dude, to ha- like really annoying guy to play against, but a fun guy to have on your team. And I'm Absolutely. glad he's having a nice start to the season. I miss Ed Davis. Miss you, Ed. Yeah. All right. Uh, that's going to do it for this week's episode, today's episode of Locked on Raptors, this week's episode. That's silly. There's three more coming at some point. Um, so, Hall, do you have anything to plug right now? Um, yeah, I just posted, uh, I think it was a few days ago, a piece on Jakob Pertl and Bebe Nagera about how Jakob is the clear and eventual replacement for Jonas Valanciunas. You guys should reach, the, reach that on Raptors Republic. You should find it. Um, now that baby had such a good game, who knows, man? So uh, <laughs> that's really all I have to plug. My Twitter's sabd28. You guys know that. Um, that's about it, honestly. Buddy, you're lining yourself up for more JV uh, Hive <laughs> comment, whatever daggers. Oh, that's a it's a bold move by you, but I appreciate the the audacity behind it. <laughs> I'm gonna keep my eye on the comments. Yeah. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Woodley Sean. You can subscribe to Locked on Raptors on iTunes. Please do that. Uh, I wrote a thing yesterday for LockedOnRaptors.com about the Blazers and Raptors and their strange intertwined history. Uh, it was sort of the subject matter of Monday's podcast with Corbin Smith and I dove into it from a Raptors perspective. I had a lot of fun with it, so please check it out. It was a, It's a longer read, but it was a good time. Um, it's still apt even after the Raptors beat the Blazers. Uh, I'm also going to have another thing. I'm kind of doing a bit of a straw poll of Raptors writers to talk about something with the Raptors. I'm not going to spoil it just yet, but look for that Wednesday morning probably. Um, and uh, thank you so much for tuning in. So, Hall, thanks for coming on, man. And we will talk to you next time on Lockdown Raptors. Cheers. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Lockdown podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.